You're listening to And the Plot Thickens, an Authors on the Air Radio Network podcast. Join your host, suspense and horror writer Jeff Crawford, as he explores the art of creating tension and mood with authors from a wide variety of genres. Find out more about Jeff and his books at authorjeffcrawford.com. And now, meet today's author guest. Welcome to And the Plot Thickens, part of the Authors on the Air Global Network. I'm your host, Jeff Crawford, and my producer is Carrie Schaefer. Today's guest is writer, publisher, collaborative partner, screenplay writer, frequent guest speaker, and panelist. Welcome to the show, Richard Chismar. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a it's an honor. Uh, when I first began doing this show, I was told that I could have anyone on here that I wanted but Richard Chismar was the guy that I had to get on the calendar. So I've been looking forward to this for a while. If you're acquainted at all with this show, then you know that there are a lot of spokes, but suspense is the hub of the wheel. Okay. Let's say you're taking a walk or waiting in line at the burger joint or watching a ball game and a new idea for a work hits you. What do you do next? Oh, you know, it depends if, if I'm by myself, um, I'm scribbling all, I'm, you know, I'm stopping, I'm scribbling in my phone as quick as I can, unless I have a, uh, my laptop or, or a pad of paper handy. Um, but my phone gets a lot of work, the memo section, I, I tend to wake up in the middle of the night with certain thoughts in my head and, and scribble on my phone. And fortunately my wife knows by now that that's what I'm doing. And I'm not like, you know, messaging with some Swedish woman across the ocean or something. <laughs> Setting up some, you know, black market uh, business deal in the middle of the night. But yeah, if I, you know, if I'm taking a walk or doing something like that and I'm by myself, then yeah, I always make sure I'm down. I've learned my lesson. I can't tell you how many times I've thought, you know what, that is such an interesting idea or such an interesting thought. I'll remember it. How could I ever forget it? And within an hour, I'm like, what the hell was I, you know, what was it, you know? Um, so after enough of those uh, instances, I've, I always write it down. But yeah, if I'm with a group of people, I, I don't hesitate to say, oh, I got to write this down real quick so I don't forget it. But then, you know, I'm on to at least attempting to be social. Sure. Okay. I'm not exactly sure how to ask this. And it's not, it's not twitchy. It's just, I I, got to make sure I get my train of thought into it the way it's supposed to be. Does the nature of the book or the the characters in the book dictate how you build the suspense or do you have a set method in mind going into it? I ask that because it's different from the outline question we always get. Um, because personalities of characters and places evolved during the book is the reason I'm asking it that way. Right. No, that's a really good question. You know, I don't do kind of, you, you know, you touched on outlines. I don't really, uh, I, you know what I say that. And I, I have to be honest, I was going to, I was about to say, I don't really work from outlines, um, which is connected to your, the larger part of your question, but it's not really true anymore. I, I never used to work from outlines. But I know, you know, with the Gwendy books that I did with Steve, with the first one, when I got a big chunk of pages and he said, you know, yeah, if you can finish it, go ahead and give it a shot. I did kind of outline, you know, just in the form of a, of a broad roadmap, 
you know, some, some main points that I wanted to connect the dots between. And it ended up turning into a little bit more of a traditional outline than, than I thought. But other than that, you know, there's one novella I've written called A Long December, which was, you know, probably about 30,000 words um, that, I, that I did end up outlining because there was a lot going on. And then, I, and then with Chasing the Boogeyman, I did outline it. And, and it wasn't intentional. Again, it was like started as, hey, I want to make sure I don't want to forget these points that I think are, are, are interesting, you know, plot points. And then I ended up connecting the dots uh, in an outline form. And it made writing the books go so much quicker. Um, and I just finished the sequel to Boogeyman. And, I, and the same thing, I, I ended up outlining it pretty extensively. And it helped me write, you know, the book in four months instead of probably eight or nine, just because I already had and, and, and it, you know, I didn't strictly adhere to it. I didn't feel, you know, boxed in by anything I had written. It just kind of for, it, it just kind of uh, fulfilled that roadmap. But it was just like, you know, it's kind of like going on a road trip where it's like, yeah, I, I'm going to, you know, I got my course pre-plotted, but I'm going to wander. And, and that's exactly what happened. So it's interesting. It, it's, it's some I've been saying, no, I'm not an outliner in interviews for 20 years, 30 years, and now I kind of got to change if I'm being truthful. But um, so then to, to go on to your to the larger part of your question about whether specific character traits and, 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 and these characters kind of dictate, you know, how, how they interact with the suspenseful moments and, and kind of the dark, the darkness of the story. Um, not really, you know, I, I mean, I want to say, sure, if this if this character has you know, certain traits like she's, you know, she, if this female character um, or male character is, is a little on the, uh, you know, the antsy side, she's, you know, she's, she's not a fan of being out alone in the dark, or he's not a fan of, of being at home by himself at night, those kind of things. And you know what? Yeah, you know, that, that a character like that is prime for, for, uh, you know, authorly abuse, I, I, you know, for a lack of a better way to put it, you know, you can have some fun, because it, you, you're going to be able to put that person through the ringer a little bit more than than the average person right. who's content with the doors locked and deadbolted. They're like, yeah, nothing's getting in. But but for that other type of person, they're thinking maybe something already got in before I locked. So in, in that regard, yeah, you know, those those kind of small but important personality traits. But for the most part, I'm one of those writers who, who and I just finished saying I'm outlining, but I, I kind of just go where the story takes me. And, and I do interject a lot of my own personal fears in, into the story, and I, and I have plenty of those. So um, people make fun of me all the time. And they're like, it, it, it must be that huge imagination of yours. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I've been like this since I was a kid, which is why I do this stuff, you know, because uh, hey, I still scare myself. But yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, that's what we do. We, we exercise certain things, you know, mm -hmm. uh, or we try. whether, we, yeah, <laughs> whether, whether we meant to or not, you touched on something that I, I want to bring up. You've collaborated with some heavy duty writers. Is there a measure of suspense involved with that for you? Or is it laid out to know by and large, what to expect from your partner? Uh, you know, and I say that because I, I say that because I've worked on one collaborative piece and right. I, I never knew what was coming and I stayed on edge the whole time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's uh, you know what work would say two or three more writers and, and, and do it again. And again, you, I think you'll find that you probably have the same answer that I'm going to give you, which is it, it's totally dependent on each instance. Um, you know, there's times I, I've collaborated on, on, a handful of short stories with you know some great writers like Brian Freeman and uh, Brian Keene and Ray Garten and 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 others and, and my son on longer pieces and 
you know, in some of those cases, you know, it's a short story. So there's there's not too much mystery and there's not, you know, you're not kept too much in the blind because you don't have, you don't have a lot of room to roam. So, you know, things are kind of talked about, even whether it's just a casual conversation. Like, you know, hey, yeah, I think I'm going to take it here. And then the other person says, well, wait till you get my part, because you might have a hard time taking it all the way there, but you might do this or that, that kind of thing. Whereas with and, and, and somewhere in the middle, when I collaborated with my son, Billy, on uh, Widow's Point, you know, we figured out really early on that, you know, I was stronger in the flashback scenes and the more narrative driven scenes. And he was stronger in the scenes where our main character was really spiraling out of control and, and, and losing it. And, and the prose wasn't nearly as neatly formed and it was more free flowing and, 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 and out there. And it, it became really apparent that that's where our strengths were in this particular story. So we kind of left, you know, those roles to be fulfilled by each of us, you know, in, throughout the story, regardless of page count, I might've had a long section and then he had a very short section and then we flip it over and he had a long section where this guy was losing it. And I had a short section where I came back, so it all worked out. But, and then there's the 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 uh, instances with with Steve King, particularly in, in the last book of the trilogy, Gwendy's Final Task, which was the only full length novel really of the trilogy, because the first one was really just a you know a novelette. The second one they said it was a novel, and it technically is, but it's a short novel. The third one we did fifty page chunks and just traded them back and forth, and we did not tell each other where we were going. So yeah, in that regard, it was really neat. I remember texting Steve several times, just saying this, to me, this is what a collaboration should feel like. It's just this challenging, but fun exercise. You know, we're not trying to write each other into a corner or anything like that, but we're just writing and, you know, without giving a whole lot of thought to necessarily what comes next, trusting the other person. Right. Go, you know, tap, tap them on the shoulder and say, it's your turn. That's it. And that was neat, you know. I mean, I, I wouldn't have, put, I wouldn't have even thought to put, you know. And I, I'm not giving this isn't giving, uh, you know, it's it's not a spoiler, but because it's on the dust jacket. But I, I wouldn't even thought to put Gwendy Peterson in space, you know, on a spaceship. That was all Steve. And then, you know, I remember I wrote the part where we go back to Derry, Maine. Um, which is the setting for it, which is my all-time favorite novel. And I didn't do it because I like wanted to play in that area of the sandbox. It's just to me that's where the story took me. I do remember after I finished those 50 pages, sending it to Steve and thinking, oh, man, that was a big ballsy move on my part. And I hope he doesn't hate it. But and he loved it. And he, and he made it so much better when he sent it back, because that's essentially what we did is whenever one of us would receive a chunk of pages, we would go through, do a light edit and then continue from there. Um, and I think that's why it kind of became difficult to figure out who started where and who ended where. So. So, yeah, and cool. different. But that was. That was the one where no idea what was coming next, and, and I loved every minute of it. That's, that's great. That's great. Here's the question that I ask everyone who comes on the show, because the answers are so varied, and I, and I like every one of them. In your opinion, which scares the reader more, fear of the known or fear of the unknown? It's mm, a really good question, and I've never been answered, asked that, and that's, that's rare. I, you know, I want to give a cheating answer from start to finish and say it totally depends on that reader and in some ways that's not a cheating answer because they're you know i use I use me as an example you know and it's like and i'm sure people have said this maybe not to an answer to this question but using pet cemetery as an example you know pet cemetery is a completely different book when i read it when i was in college than it was when i read it 15 years later when i had kids 
you know, that's a, that's a good example of a book where when I read it in college, it was probably the fear of the, uh, the unknown because, you know, what the hell was it in that burial plot back in the woods, you know, past the, the deadfall and the pet cemetery. But then when I was a parent, you know, you, I, I was terrified of what I already knew was, was right. happen and, and uh, just the perils of, of everyday life before you even get some crazy guy like Steve King even mixed into it. So, yeah, I, I guess it has to be my answers. It just really depends. But, you know, for me, I've always been more frightened by, you know, human monsters and, um, you know, what we're capable of and the masks that, you know, from a really early age, I was kind of aware you know, even while I grew up in this, you know, kind of semi-idyllic, you know, suburban neighborhood and, and even walking the streets back when you could late at night, you're spending the night with your buddy and you guys sneak out and you walk down 7-Eleven to get a Slurpee and a Slim Jim and play some Space Invaders. And you're walking back and there's the comforting glow and the lights in the windows and all that. And I was always the warp kid telling stories to scare my friends, telling scary stories. But I was always really aware of the fact that, you know, we were in this seemingly peaceful place, but that none of us were really uh, truly aware of what was going on behind those closed doors and those closed drapes. And uh, that, you know, a lot of people wore masks that kind of hid, you know, hid their, the true, their true selves. And right. uh, that always scared me more than the idea of vampires and, you know, things that yeah. go um, And I think that reflects itself in most of my work. I, I I think that's a great answer, and I think you're right. I think when you think sit and think about it, I think the answer probably changes. The maturation process goes on, right? Um, it, it it just has to. And then you take a What's book like the, uh, which is so. And again, I'm gonna I'm, I'll get off the Steve King appreciation trail here, but it. Uh, that's all right. I'm a big fan. Yeah, you kind of can't help it sometimes when when you're when you're when you're answering good questions, they they kind of probe into you. And, and if you're a fan, you're a fan. But I'm thinking a book like Salem's Lot, where you know what he did pull that magic trick, where he made me terrified of of vampires and people turning into vampires. But at the same time, he paints such a detailed, rich portrait of the town and the townsfolks that you get to hear about the bus driver with the bad temper and you get to hear about the alcoholic and the one who's beating his wife and, and all of that. So it's like equal measures there. And, and I think it's partly what's responsible for his, you know, his wild success all these years is that he, 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 you know, he introduces you either to people that, you know, in your own life or to people that you, you, you would never want to know. Um, but right. Each cell, each subset is so real that you can't help but feel, like you're part of it. And uh, then you throw in some vampires in the mix and that's why it's such a classic novel, you know? I agree. I agree. What's the most important thing about writing dark or tense or edgy that you know now that you didn't know when you wrote your first book? Um, you know, it's, it's, I haven't written that many books. It feels like I have because there's been a lot of them lately, but I've written a lot of short stories, written some novellas and things like that. And then there was about a 10 year period where there was nothing new. Cause I was just working on the business and on the book business. And, and I was writing some film stuff. Um, but I just know this. I always tell writers when I'm talking about, you know, when I'm giving, they ask advice or they try to talk about my arc as a writer my progression. And I always just say, you know, I look at those stories I was writing back in my twenties and 
they're just, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're not authentic. And by that, I don't mean they're poorly researched or they're, they're, they're just, they're just, you know, I, I put together a collection years ago of my really early stories for a really small edition that would never be reprinted because the stories are really bad, but people wanted to read them and they were scattered in all these small press magazines. So I put them together and I was writing the introduction to it. And what struck me is how many of these stories were set in cities, how many of these stories were, uh, you know, urban horror stories and how many were, uh, you know, about, um, you know, dysfunctional, uh, you know, evil, you know, family matters. And, and I remember thinking to myself, what the hell was I doing? Because I, I don't live in the city. I rarely go to the city. Um, and I figured out after the fact that I was writing to try to sell to different markets. And in a lot of those cases, those, they were looking for those kind of stories. So, mm-hmm. you know what, nothing wrong with that. It was just, I was trying to earn my chops in the small press and I was trying to sell, but I was writing stories fit for a market instead of writing stories that were kind of came truly from inside of me. Right. And, and I, and, and I can really, the first story where I really kind of hit my stride was one called a crime of passion. And it was about, it was an interesting juxtaposition between the suburbs and and urban living and crime and how you know there, there's a really thin line between where it originates from and, and where it prospers and 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 it had a lot of heart to it and what I figured is and what I figured out eventually is that's kind of where I hit my pace as far as kind of having the courage to put part of myself in these stories um, how I viewed the world um, whether it was in a, in a large you know manner or whether it was just a moment in time or a person or a place that felt very um you know i'm going to use that word again authentic to me and it, and it compelled me to write about it and once i started writing those stories is when i kind of hit my pace and started selling to larger markets and, and had people respond to my stories because you know it wasn't a five-page story about a about a guy living in a tenement apartment who is abusive and a monster comes out of his beer and, and attacks him. You know, I was writing these EC comic stories, which I love, but they weren't real. You know, they weren't, uh, they just didn't have a lot of honesty to them. Um, right. And that's a word I, I use a lot talking about writers. And it's just like, you know, it takes, it takes it courage and, and obviously a different definition of the kind of courage that you know uh, you know soldiers or or you know our, our our police officers and a lot of other people put on the line every day um but a different kind of courage to kind of let you know expose a part of yourself um and to right. be honest with the world and 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 not be afraid to be laughed at or told that hey this this isn't important you know i don't know why you took the time to write it on paper so that's what i always tell writers is is, is you know most of us have something worth saying and you just kind of have to have the confidence to put it out there and and once i figured that out um you know like i said that's when i kind of started hitting. that's the best really give to that one is just, and it's a very personal one so i don't know if other people would feel that way but uh for me that's what worked well that's great you know and i agree i agree you i think you do your best work when you throw more of yourself into it um not necessarily autobiographical, but when you, who was it? Was it Hemingway that said uh, to write, you just sit down and bleed? Yeah. You'll you know, up and, and on the page eventually. Yeah. And, yeah. and it doesn't even have to, you know, it doesn't even have to always be, uh, be a lot of blood. Sometimes, it's, sometimes it's bittersweet. It's nostalgic. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Some, 
sometimes it's fun stuff. Sometimes it's good stuff. And yeah, and sometimes there's briars and nettles there. But yeah, um, and again, we... some people they might do better. Maybe they'll say, "Hey, I you know once I kind of started uh, you know hiding or obstructing myself, that's when I had success." But for me, it was the opposite. It was just uh, once I kind of you know trusted myself to tell the story I wanted to tell. It was there, and I I learned that from uh, a writer named Ed Gorman, who who passed away years ago. Um, he was a good friend, um, but Ed could write. Um, and for any viewers who, who, who aren't familiar with his work, which probably are a lot because, you know, Ed was one of those writers who deserved bestsellerdom, but it, it, that never really came. But he wrote horror, mystery, suspense, science fiction, fantasy, westerns, crime, cozies, everything. Um, but it's uh, G-O-R-M-A-N. And you, you go to eBay. You can find his books everywhere. But Ed is one of those writers. And Joe Lansdale was another one for me. Where And also because those early stories of mine, I always – I always felt like I had to kind of reinvent the wheel. I was always trying mm -hmm. to write intricately plotted stories and I wasn't, you know, good enough to, to, to do them justice, um, which showed. But what I learned from Ed and Joe is sometimes you could write a 10 page story about, a, 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 a you know, a mom, a, a, a mom on a bus stop, you know, bench with a little girl. And you could tell their story in those 10 pages and where they were in their lives. And, and, and if you told it with heart and feeling and, and, and honesty, it was just as interesting as a 40 page story that read like a roller coaster. Right. Both of those writers taught me that with some of their stories. I remember just thinking, wow, you know, this story wasn't about a whole lot, but it was about life. It was about, you know, more than is what's on the page. Um, right. That's such a neat thing to be able to, uh, to accomplish. And, and again, it made me feel like, Hey, you know, I'm no Joe Lansdale and I'm certainly no Ed Gorman, but I have stories like that to tell. They really affected me. And, and particularly Ed, you know, you could write a story about a, a hitman, you know, trying to get away from the business, you know, and a run in with a, uh, an older woman who reminded him of his mom at a phone booth and their interaction, their three page interaction, which changed the course of both their lives. And, and he could accomplish all that in eight pages. And it was just this wonderful ability of his. And I, and I learned a lot from that. Don't stop trying to reinvent the wheel, you know, and just tell the story that matter to you. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, before we run out of time, tell everybody about the latest thing you, you've got cooking and where they can find it and you. I'm on, you know, all the social media things, which I thought I'd hate, but I ended up really liking because I could meet people who read books and watch movies and, uh, and, and interact with my old friends who I haven't seen in years. So I'm on all the different, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, have my own website, richardchismore.com. And what's out for me right now, I had the paperback of a book called Chasing the Boogeyman just came out a couple months ago. And about a month before that, the third uh, Gwendy book with Steve King, uh, Gwendy's Final Task came out. So I'll be spending October doing a bunch of uh, bunch of book signings out and about, and I'll post a schedule on my website. And great, like a, great. Sequel to Chasing the Boogeyman. So um, that'll come out some, sometime next year. And uh, as soon as I know, I'll let everybody else know. Fantastic. Well, folks, you've been listening to a conversation with a terrific guest, Richard. I hope you'll come back so we can continue this discussion one day. Absolutely. And I hope every great. And I hope everyone out there will pick up every book they can find with your name on the cover. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> this has been another installment of on the, and the plot thickens. I'm Jeff Crawford. 
And you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and on the And the Plot Thickens page on Facebook. If you want to know more about the books that I've written, all are available through Amazon. Remember to read a book and tell everyone that you've read it. Reviews do matter. Join us next time for another interesting conversation with another fascinating author. And AM, hang in there, buddy. We're all pulling for you.